I'm someone who loves trying out different makeup looks, but doesn't really wear much on a daily basis, so I like to focus on making sure I have high quality staples. And whether you like a fresh face, full glam, or somewhere in between, you've probably seen Thrive Cosmetics Viral Tubing Mascara. I've certainly seen it everywhere, you know the one in the turquoise tube? So that mascara, along with all of Thrive Cosmetics beauty products, are certified 100% vegan and cruelty-free, which I look for in makeup, and they've got excellent quality to match. And something I didn't know from all the mascara videos I've seen is that for every product sold, Thrive Cosmetics donates either that same product, another product that is needed more, or a monetary donation. They've worked with over 500 nonprofits to help with a wide range of causes like supporting cancer survivors, people experiencing homelessness, education access, and so much more. Knowing that makes me feel even better about using their products. And I do enjoy using them. Like I said, I like having high quality staples, and so my favorites are products that are multi-purpose, like the Brilliant Eye Brightener. It comes in a bunch of colors, and I like using them as eyeliner, eyeshadow, and even highlighter. Thrive Cosmetics is luxury beauty that gives back. Right now, you can get an exclusive 20% off your first order at thrivecosmetics.com thrive. That's Thrive Cosmetics, C-A-U-S-E-M-E-T-I-C-S, dot com slash thrive for 20% off your first order. Hey, this is James Andrews, and I am always tuning in to Rebel Radio. It's where the smart minds come together. Fuck you, Josh. What's up? This is Rebel Radio. What up, what up? This is DJ Newmark. This is Peanut Butter Wolf. It's your boy. It's okay. Keep checking out Rebel Radio. Rebel Radio. This is Rebel Radio. We're in the place right here. Uh-huh. Rebel Radio is going down. What did you say? Rebel Radio? Oh, wait. Let's do it again. Rebel Radio. What's up, Rebels? Welcome back to Rebel Radio, the weekly show where I bring you the rebels who are shaping our culture. I'm coming at you live and direct from our brand new home studio. Uh, We've started recording episodes uh, over video chat, and we'll be doing that here as long as we need to. I hope that all of you are healthy, safe, and uh, doing whatever you can to stay creative and stay connected and and energized. I know it's not easy, but, um, you know, let's, let's all get through it together. Send me some tips. I'll send you mine. I got lots of uh, home workouts. I'm trying to get sunshine every day and most importantly, stay connected to those people that really keep me in it and uh, keep me on my best. Uh, One of those people is with us in the studio today. My man, James Andrews. He's one of my favorite people to talk to. We've known each other many, many years and we've kind of run along the same paths uh, in some ways in our careers from music to working with brands and technology and and all that stuff. Um, James is, uh, he's he's an amazing dude and he's got some great stories to tell. He was partners with Troy Carter. He he has advised everybody from Kanye to Baron Davis to Jazzy Jeff, many other people. And he's the founder of a new company, which he calls a, a startup factory and a brand advisory. It's also kind of a social network it's called The Authenticated. I highly advise that you check it out. I'll put the link in the show notes. Get over there. You may want to join or learn more about it. Um, and James just has some amazing stories from his journey and, uh, and a really interesting perspective about what startups and hip hop have in common and how he's applying lessons from, from the streets into the tech game 
and I love it, and I hope you will too. Let's get into it right after the EDM.com track of the week. That was M11 with More Than Friends, the EDM.com track of the week. If you like that one, get over to EDM.com and check out more new music. And right now, let's get into the interview with James Andrews. We're going to do a masterclass in how to build hype without believing hype. Yes, build hype. Because that's what I think, you know, we're both in that business, right? Yeah. Um, Which is the sort of... uh, paradox i guess is it like is this idea of like when you've worked behind the scenes of hype and fame how to do it without trying to become it and that's really difficult to be the toy you know like to be the, the fame maker yeah the idol maker and not become an idol you know and yeah. like be, yeah i've always loved being behind the scenes and on a need-to-know basis my philosophy is more clarence avant mm-hmm than it is, you know, big grand impresario, you know, sure. here. And so... But I, but you stepped out of the shadows in certain ways. That, yeah, I do. That, but that I want to talk about, right? Because yeah. I think that's a it's an interesting thing to navigate. Well, first of all, thank you yes. for doing this. I've, I've been wanting to do this for a while. Yeah, yeah, no, I'm glad. Um, I know we've talked about it over the years. and Timing um, is everything. I've been wanting yeah, to... Yeah, This sure. is actually my first interview. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, I'm excited yeah. to talk about what yeah. you're doing. Yeah. Uh, we're going to reveal some shit. Yeah. That uh, uh, that people don't know about. But, um, okay. And I'm excited because, you know, we've known each other uh, since pretty much college days, UCLA. Yeah. And have kind of watched each other grow up yeah. in this business and in multiple businesses. Yeah. Um, and so I feel like, you know, I consider you a friend and, and I, there's also so much I don't know about you. Yeah, I know. So, it's so uh, cool. So, yeah, let, let's get into it. Um, so, you know, I know you're at UCLA and, and then kind of found your way into mu- music. Um, well, is that UCLA? Yes. That was a short, that was a short-lived <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, as it happens. Journey. Uh, go back before that, because you're from the yeah. Bay like I am. Yeah. Um, what were you into as a kid? What was your first, uh, what was the first record you ever bought? Uh, Earth, Wind & Fire, um, 45... Um, uh, whatever the record is with the emotions, I can't even think of the record. Mm. Um, uh, Firecracker, yeah, um, was another forty-five. Uh, those record. are the first forty-fives. Remember. And then, you know, then I can remember vividly Rapper's Delight. Like, I can remember, 
riding my bike around a park either in Alameda or Oakland when that record hit and that was just like game on um but I moved from Oakland Alameda Berkeley which is kind of which is random that we probably didn't meet that went yeah. to Thousand Oaks Elementary School Funny. um uh, to, uh <clears throat> you went to school, uh, elementary school in Berkeley right no I went for a week you did to uh I went to kindergarten for a week and then they pulled me out because I already knew how to read. Okay. And they were like, this is wasting our time. Okay. I forget what. So you went straight from there to UCLA? <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, but you grew up in Berkeley, right? No, I lived in Oakland until I was oh. eight. Okay. To, uh, and then San Francisco. Oh, you lived in San Francisco. Okay, I didn't realize that. See? Yeah. Learning stuff on this podcast. Yeah. <laughs> so I moved to the whole other side of the bay, which, which right. was Palo Alto. And that was like being sort of like a, it was like Fresh Prince from Bel Air, right? I definitely. I'm sure. Um, went into a completely different, I mean, everybody was different. The black people, the white people, everybody was like just a, another version, you yeah. know, on that side of the bay, just yeah. strangely. Um, and I grew up, um, so my mother was, uh, I was raised in a single mother home. My mother was born in Italy to mm. a German Jew, but my mom is like super woke. So I have like the woke white, white mom story. Mm-hmm. I grew up like in sort of like, you know, panther aura my mm-hmm. mom you know hung out in the movement my father ran with the movement mm-hmm. i was in swahili school uh, i remember we lived down the street from spangers nice. like i was like a true bay area kid if you look in the dictionary that's probably yeah. who i was and then i um my father wasn't around my father was from the bahamas uh was also part of the movement left my mother and he split when i was like five and I, um, I ended up like just being really fast, really bad, just getting into trouble, headed, headed to nowhere, cutting school, um, you know, smoking weed early, mm-hmm. like playing around with girls early, mm-hmm. and ended up moving to Palo Alto to try it out, to do like a trial thing with my aunt, with my aunt. Mm. And uh, I, I went to move with my aunt in uh, eighth grade, and. Uh, I, my aunt lived with her roommate, who was her business partner. My aunt had like what you would call an advertising agency back then, mm-hmm. like a branding agency. Mm-hmm. And my aunt's roommate turned out to be her lover. I didn't know that I was living right. with two women that are sure. So I lived with two white women, basically, yeah. and uh, they were gay. And it was so super bay. I'm so bay to the core. Um, and I lived with these two white women. My, my black friends would come over and be like, "Who's this white woman?" My aunt. Who's the other white woman? My other aunt. Okay, cool. Let's go. Right. And I think they just accepted me. And um, yeah, Palo Alto was like <clears throat> really. Funny? I, was, I just want to stop you for a second. Yeah. But it's funny, I, you know, all the shit that we worry about getting out when you're a kid. Yeah, right. And then you find no one cares. Nobody cares. <laughs> nobody cares. Like, yeah, nobody cares. And everyone has their own family situation. For sure. And, but but, but the, at the core, you always think like, oh, like our, I remember like I used to listen to Depeche Mode and like Thompson Twins and like yeah. New Order and like I'd be like, oh man, I gotta hide these records from my black friends. Like right. they can't see that I'm listening to like Billy Idol. Yeah. No one really cares. Like it did, yeah, yeah, just like so much, Nobody so cares. much, so much time wasted. I mean, that's the thing about youth, right? And, yeah. And I know you have kids, and, and yeah, it's like the, the shit that we worried about. Yeah. That's in, inconsequential. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I. Luckily, I was a kid who didn't spend a lot of time caring about. I mean, I think the great thing about having a gay aunt who's like my, who's like basically like my second mother, mm-hmm. 
and and growing up mixed you know which can go bad for some kids for sure. me i had the white mom who was like we're white you're black go out and enjoy the world like i didn't have any like mixed kid issues right 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 i didn't have any like oh my gosh i'm jewish my grandfather was a german jew yeah. escaped nazi germany went to italy my mother mm. was born in italy to a german jew um i didn't know about that part of my family until like honestly last probably 15 years like, right. i knew about it, i mean like, right, I, right 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 but i didn't, didn't really explore. yeah i wasn't even even given that like not given the freedom but i didn't even explore it because it was like you are a black boy in america right and this is what you're gonna deal with. Yeah. And so I didn't really have like any mixed kid issues. I was very comfortable around white people, very comfortable around black people. Um, and so yeah, so I grew up in Palo Alto, man, and, and ended up, you know, honestly the first like hip hop I, I that I actually was exposed to was um, through KZSU, which was the Stanford station, mm. and, and Kevin Kev Cool Breeze. Okay. Kevin Montague, shout yeah. out to Kevin Kev. Um, and Kevy Kev was a Stanford student, and back then hip hop, as you well know, was only played on college radio stations. So I like would listen to KZSU and go up to the station and go right. like in like high school. Yeah. I was like you know searching for it. Yeah, I was yeah. looking for it, yeah. and then I thought I was a b boy. So I would go back to the East Bay because I thought I could break dance. So I bring mm -hmm. my linoleum, mm -hmm. and I would battle the Filipinos on on mm -hmm. the pier. You know what I mean? <laughs> so I thought I was a b boy. I thought I was a dancer. I thought I could you know. But yeah, I was, I'm every Bay Area kid, you know what I'm saying? I know yeah. all the cultures. I know, I, the great thing about being from the Bay is like, you know the difference between Tongan and Samoan and you get beat up, you know mm -hmm. what I'm saying? You know mm -hmm. Gunghei Fachoy means Happy New Year. You That's know, right. like, like I eat good lumpia, you know what I mean? Like I am proper Bay Area yeah. and I feel like in many ways, <clears throat> it's an, I always say as a t-shirt I'm gonna put out, it's an unfair advantage to be uh, a kid from the Bay Area in the 70s because we truly embraced every culture i know all the no i know all the things about all the cultures and when new yorkers are like yeah it's so diverse here in new york i'm like yeah it is but like dude i like these it's are my diverse, homies but everybody <laughs> hates each other everybody hates each other exactly <laughs> and for us we grew up like you know you know we all man we all loved each other like i yeah. you know like i literally know a good lumpia from not a good lumpia i know <laughs> i know fun i know everything because yeah. i grew up like right. exposed to all the cultures so that really is and i i, I punch that point because that really drives me today like I mean I really feel like I am ethnically ambiguous mm. which is great and I've embraced that you mm -hmm. know so I can go to Ethiopians they think I'm Ethiopian I go to Brazil I speak you know Tutubane. Right. I go to India they think I'm from Goa and that I attribute all of that to to the Bay that's some Bay shit like yeah. Bay shit is like you're my people you're my gente yeah. you know and like that's just the way, that's the only way I, I knew how to, how to move in the world. It really empowers everything I do today. Rebel Radio is brought to you by the Capital One Walmart Rewards Card. Earn 5% back at Walmart Online. Games for the kids, headphones for dad, a laptop for mom, doesn't matter. You get 5% back at Walmart Online. You also earn 2% at Walmart in-store, restaurants, and travel, and 1% everywhere else. When you want all that, you need the Capital One Walmart Rewards Card. What's in your wallet? Terms and conditions apply. Capital One NA. Yeah, that's so interesting because here we are, you know, many years removed from that and, and you've had, uh, you know, experiences and accomplishments along the way. And, yeah. and yet and still like that early 
experience, you know, continues to, I, you know, I find with myself, right? Yeah. It, 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 uh, it still powers who I am. Yeah. And, uh, even though I don't, sometimes I don't feel like that kid yeah. anymore, but, but it's still there with you. You know what it is? I've now lived around other parts of the world and I'm fresh back in LA three yeah. years. So I'm like tapping into that. Like I go back to the Bay and climb the tree in Alameda. I go to Berkeley now. Right. Like I wrote an entire business plan literally in Berkeley, Oakland, Alameda, Palo Alto. Oh, cool. I just like did this whole kind of like thing. So mm -hmm. I also been living on the East Coast for so long. Now that I'm fresh back here, yeah. I just approach it like I had all these like, you know, oh my gosh, I used to like go to this park. I used, but mm -hmm. I wasn't going. And then I would come back here and I, every once in a while I would go back to the Bay. But now that I live on the West Coast, and, and L.A. is also a part of my journey. Yeah. Um, I, I actually relive it, mm -hmm. being here on Fairfax. I mean, being in this office, which is random, the guy who owns this office was my intern right. when he was in high school. So everything ends up becoming, you yeah. know, shout out to Mike Karen. Um, you know, everything ends up being like this full circle moment. And I don't feel any older, right. but like I get to like reference all these kind of things. Um, so yeah, it's, it's, it's really, it's a, it's a pleasure to be here. It's, like I said, it's a pleasure just to be sitting across from you because I feel like you and I are just immortal. Like we're, we're like not getting any older For sure. and yet we've seen so much and we're tapped into so many different cultures. Yeah. Um, I want to talk about immortal, but, yeah. uh, <laughs> but, uh, but you said something, you know, talking about discovering, um, rapper's delight and, yeah. you know, and I had that same exact experience, you know, in third, fourth grade, whatever yeah. that was. And um, Are you class eighty eight, uh, eighty nine, eighty nine. Okay. Yeah, so I must have been in fourth grade. Yeah. But uh, so, how does how does it? You know, it's it's so interesting. Like, because I know you work with you know a lot of young people like <clears> I do, <throat> who don't have the experience of before hip hop. Yeah. Or even before hip hop was mainstream, right? In a lot of cases, right? Yeah. Um, and you know, I think it's hard sometimes to relate to just how different the world is. Yeah. And uh, I don't know. Does that like? Do you, do you catch yourself? You know, kind of seeing things you know differently or, or we, you know when you're talking to young people like uh i don't know I, to me it was like it, it's such a fundamentally different thing to have been somebody that was early into hip-hop mm -hmm. you know that's now become this global cultural phenomenon mm -hmm. that you know transcends music transcends race uh in a lot of ways mm -hmm. um i don't know i find that i catch myself um trying to articulate hip-hop beyond the five forces a sure. little bit yeah and i try to um think about like the way we do business as a you know one of the forces mm -hmm. and so i think <clears throat> like everything is hip-hop to me because the way we do business the way you break something like you break a record the same right. way you break a matcha shop on melrose mm -hmm. you know mm -hmm. what i mean like it, it i try to like magnify it to the point to say you know what you love like the artist you love is part of a of a movement that transcends even just the artists um and i and you and i are old enough to be able to look at something and be like 
there you there's so much hip hop reference in right. in even that. Yeah. Um, I've been writing a lot, and I've been writing a lot lately about <clears throat> the fact that hip hop is like the original lean startup, mm-hmm. and you know, in the lean startup paradigm, which powers sort of Silicon Valley's idea of software development and how you launch startups, um, you know, there's this idea of a minimal viable product. And there's this idea that you take this this rough, you know, software or rough version of, of, a, of an app, let's mm-hmm. say, mm-hmm. you put it out to the streets and then you let the consumer and the audience kind of react to it. And that's basically what we did with mixtapes. Right. Like that's essentially yeah. like there's a parallel because you, be, you would put a mixtape out in the street, you would see how the street reacts and then you would bring it in and put it on the album. Mm-hmm. So I've been able to, I think <clears throat> lately, you know, become my own kind of rapper and lyricist in many ways and kind of like weaving in these analogies of hip hop, the business and the art to like today's, you know, reference points, mm-hmm. you know, of culture and business. And they are so connected, mm-hmm. you know. Um, it's why Ben Horowitz references them in so many of his his work and so yeah. many of his books, and um, and that's why you know he's 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 going back to his own library of pulling on on that because the guys that we worked with were the greatest entrepreneurs that that you know some of them I've ever seen. The guys we worked with were some of the greatest scientists and engineers we've ever seen. Mm-hmm. But when you come from the South Bronx and you take apart a turntable and you put it back together again. Um, if you were in Atlanta and you went to Georgia Tech, they'd call you an engineer. But in the seventies, they just call you, you know, you know, uh, whatever, jam master, whoever. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, and so I try to like, I've been trying to zoom out a lot lately and go, you know, the red and green wires in the Bronx and like the ability to like wire up the, the, the jams in the park are the innovators the, those right. are yeah. the those are the early versions of um of engineers and to be honest with you i've been in technology so long that people don't really remember like the dudes who had the laptops and had the computers were my friends who were dj jazzy jeff who were d nice right. like people forget that like computers and offices and all of that tech stuff Really, my first, the first people who I was gadgeting and nerding out about gadgets with were music producers. Mm-hmm. And so it, I, I tend to like be, yes, this guy in the room going, oh, listen to the young people. <laughs> but, um, but I feel like we have a debt of making sure that we don't lose this thread that like you are in these positions, you know, you know, Kobe is in this position, you know, he's been propelled by a generation of us. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> that, you know, come from, from this art form, you know, and, and, and I, I love that, you know, I also come from a generation where like, like we were at Gavin with these guys named Andre, and, mm-hmm. you know, and mm-hmm. Outcast, right? Mm-hmm. Like, so it wasn't like we were all kind of like pushing the culture forward right. and people weren't flying on G5s back then. Yeah. And so it was very like, you were mano a mano with the, the artisans. And, um, yeah, you used to go on, everybody's on the same plane. They're on the same plane, we all fly the same plane, we're the same hotels. Yeah. And so now it's become this global thing, you know, um, just try to remind, remind folks that we're, you know, we're, we're, we're watching, you know, this incredible, um, innovation 
that affects so many things and kids can't just get focused on like the you know the the the, the rapper of the moment mm -hmm. but like what is the art form done what is the art form as, as in totality what is it done in sports, business, fashion, language, you know. And then the, the sidebar too is if not for the Bay Area, none of this would exist. Cause <laughs> the other part of this is, sure. is, is that we, and I say that joking, not joking, that <clears throat> what I love about hip hop is it's the most inclusive of the genres. <clears throat> right. And that inclusivity, yes, it starts with the Jamaicans and the Dominicans and you know the folks coming and building the yeah. early versions of hip hop. But if not for the contributions of the Asian community, if not for the contributions of the Latino community, which happens here on the West Coast, hip hop doesn't become what it becomes. Okay. So like, it's very important to like put that narrative together. And so, yeah, that's why I, I, I think it, we're in special times and, and it'll be interesting to see where the music goes. Um, so, you know, you start talking about Jeff and, and some of the people that you've worked with along the years. I know um, there's been a lot of them. Mm. So who who taught you important things early on? Mm. Well, um, so when I got to UCLA, I got to UCLA by way of my best friend's mother, Dion Warwick. Mm. And so I basically used to go from Westwood to Beverly Hills. And Dion Warwick was like my second mother. Oh, wow. If you see me walking down the street and I start to cry each time we meet, walk on by. And so I got put up on a lot of game at that house. I'm sure. Because that it's house. Funny, I, I only know her from, I mean, I know her now. But yeah. I only knew her from Solid Gold. Like, Solid Gold, Psychic yeah. Network, people always have the reference points. But what I know, I just knew her as mom. I knew her yeah. as David's mom. Yeah. And my friend David Elliott was and is just a super talented guy. And their house was like my little, like I would leave, you know, Hedrick and go to, to Beverly Hills. Mm -hmm. And um, I met gangsters. I met, you know, I met Clarence Avant, who mm -hmm. was my friend's real godfather. Mm -hmm. um, he lived next door to the Menendez brothers. I remember that. <laughs> oh, wow. Um, I <clears throat> met so many people, but she really... She was an early, early mentor. Uh, Whitney Houston, I spent a lot of time because that's obviously her niece, you know. Yeah. Um, but I really, Whitney, I mean, Dion was, was definitely like a, a very inspired. I mean, I didn't, I'm from the Bay. Like, I'm, like how do I, you know, Sammy Davis Jr., Pele, all these people at their house. I'm like, right. I, this was like unheard of. Yeah. Um, so that was one. Um, and then Clarence Avon, yeah, I mean, I think even back then, I mean, he didn't, it was like nothing to him then. Mm -hmm. But like just, you know, hearing the stories and, and, and so, you know, you see The Black Godfather on Netflix, like I knew all those stories already. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, I mean, um, worked with Happy Walters, you know, at Immortal. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, people have a lot of things to say about Happy, but that guy was, my wife will always say, that's the best boss you ever had. Um, in that <clears throat> Happy was, was, you know, Happy was a motherfucker, but... Uh, but Happy really ran a, a corporate culture um, that was really unique. And we did spin class in our office. Oh, wow. Like we really, we went I, to- I think I remember that. We, 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 did, yeah. we went to Hawaii. Like we were like, you know, we went somewhere, right. somewhere far. Yeah. But he really cared about 
uh, the employees, and he was he was super. He was he was generous. I wouldn't I would happy. I'm not going to give you super, but I would <laughs> give give you know generous to to the people. And um, you know he's he was from the Midwest, so he had very differing like kind of point of view, and 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 he shared his point of view, and it wasn't my point of view sometimes. Mm-hmm. But uh, it was great to be able to, to, to talk through it. Now living on the other side of the country, I actually appreciate other points of view. Sure. I think in California we get so caught up with like, you know, this sort of liberal West Coast point of view. I, li- I live in the South now. Yeah. So I've, I've, you know, I'm, I actually want to sit at the table with people that don't necessarily grow up with the same point of view. Mm-hmm. So I, that, that was happy. Happy was, was an interesting one. Um, yeah. yeah, and were, I think... Were you, were you, a, you know, it's... Sometimes it's easy to look back and say, wow, I really learned a lot from that experience yeah. and whatever. Sometimes when you're in it, especially when you're young, you know, you focus on the motherfucker part of part of that. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, like, have you always been good at learning in the moment from these things or is that? Or, you know, or, or does that happen in hindsight? I think it, I got better at it. Um, my third sort of Mount Rushmore of, okay. of, of icons and mentors was a man named LeBaron Taylor. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> LeBaron Taylor was the first ever black music, uh, head of black music at Columbia Records. Okay. LeBaron died um, probably, I don't know, he's my mentor. And then I would say like uh, five years later he was dead. And... When I started losing my mentors, I think that's when I started going, huh, what was that about? Mm. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. what was that short window of time? How did I get so lucky? And what did I take away? So as I started going to funerals, mm. I think I started to reflect on and started to live more in the moment of me sitting across from an OG. Yeah. You know, um, George Jackson was another mentor of mine. Mm-hmm. Um, George was a filmmaker, did Crush Groove, Jason's Lyric, did Lime to Love and Hate. He, he was one of the founders of a dot-com that I worked at. Same thing. He died uh, of a heart attack and a stroke uh, while we were building our company. He died in the back yeah, seat yeah, of, yeah. A, of a New York City taxi cab. Yeah. So I think, like, having death um, makes me really appreciate the moments I have with the people who, you know, are just super profound. And I, I think I can see the asshole, but I can also respect and, and appreciate like the time I'm spending with, with anybody, whether they're a mentor or, or you know, sure. Kobe Bryant. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's so interesting. And I, I want to talk about that because, um, um, you know, I saw your post this morning that uh, that you think of Kobe as, as the JFK for our generation. I, I, I rephrased it, actually. Oh, you did? I, I, I think of the way that this, the, the effect that JFK had on that generation, it, there's a similar effect that I'm seeing with Kobe, and I'm now going to add Nipsey. Mm-hmm. I actually think that, like, <clears throat> what I really mean by that is um, that I think people were really shocked. I mean, JFK was the president of the United States, so that's probably, you know. But I don't even think no, people, I, I think people's long adoration and long sort of like longing for JFK. And I remember being in the seventies and like, and he had been dead for a long time, but like people still, you know, and I think, you know, same thing with, with Kobe. I think his, his life will be remembered and people will be pulling out quotes and people the same way JFK. He'll be like, Oh, remember when he said that? And you know, all those kinds of things. And the same thing I would say is happening with Nipsey. Mm -hmm. You know, like I can't, I couldn't name, I'll be honest with you, I couldn't name six Nipsey songs. But like he left us such 
a code, you know, such, you know, and, and I, I think that's when young people, people dying young, um, they have all, you know, they have all these folders of things. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I think about that a lot even in my own life. Like I, I use Moleskin, so I write mm -hmm. a lot of my ideas in Moleskin. So mm -hmm. I, each one has its own thing. And I tell my kids all the time, if something happens to me, all the Moleskins are right there. All the ideas, because I'm yeah. a futurist, so I yeah. think in the future. Yeah. So a lot of my ideas are sitting in those moleskins, and that's what we have with, you know, albums. That's what we have with, you know, the YouTube interviews with Kobe, and mm -hmm. um, and so yeah, I think that you know, that's really what I meant about the JFK reference. No, I get it, and I think it's interesting. Um, uh, well, a couple things, you know, one, I'm I'm just finishing the Miles Davis autobiography. Oh wow. Um, which is great, but I mentioned it to a friend of mine who's a musician and okay. who started in jazz, and he was like, that guy, he was like, you know, dismissive. He was like, Miles is a great musician, but everything I've heard was that he was an asshole. Like, mm. why would why would I want to read his oh, wow. autobiography? And uh, and so listening to it, he's definitely an asshole. Right. <laughs> and he's definitely a genius, and he's definitely a pioneer in, in all these things together right and and he comes it's funny i just finished the book this morning oh wow and the last <laughs> chapter he is re, he is it's a great thing that that came out t 20 years ago mm. not today oh wow because in the last chapter he's racist and sexist and oh he, wow he just says a whole bunch of shit that would have gotten him canceled potentially huh. um today wow uh but it's a different time yeah right? it's a different and time you can't judge it Totally. Based on today's rules. Right? Yeah. But my point was, um, I, you know, you bring up Nipsey, right? It's so interesting because Nipsey was not famous by our definition right. when he was alive. Right. He's way more famous now yeah. than he was then, right? Yeah. Um, and his legacy is, is becoming more meaningful mm -hmm. through his death. Mm -hmm. and, um, and then you have a Kobe who was mega famous. Right you know, and died before right. his time, right? right. And, and so I think it's, it's interesting to see how these legacies are going to shape us. Yeah. And to your point about JFK, you know, I have always said, I feel like America as a country hasn't recovered yet from Martin Luther King, right. from JFK, Bobby Kennedy, like that, right. that yeah. whole, really, the, the three of them yeah. in particular. Right. Um, but right. we're still dealing with that. Yeah. And what it means to yeah. us. Yeah. Um, and and this idea though that like a miles that we can learn from people who might be imperfect. Right. Exactly. I mean, I'm imperfect. <laughs> we're all imperfect. Sure. Yeah. And we're all, you know, moving and works in progress. And mm -hmm. um, there's someone's gonna listen to this interview and be like, this asshole's on this podcast show. You know, like I hope so. Then I hope so. Then That's then good. Go, let me let me hear what he has to say. I'm gonna send this to all the assholes. But, uh, <laughs> you know, I'm I'm <clears throat> I'm a different person today than I was. You know, and 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 you know. Give me an example. Um. You know, I have been through so many uh, things uh, in my personal and professional life, uh, whether it's the family, whether it's business partners that didn't pan out, mm -hmm. um, whether it's, you know, my marriage, you know, that, that for me at this point, <clears throat> I think it's like when they talk about the old people that they just like, they don't give a lot of fucks. Mm -hmm. Like, I kind of like, I don't, the things that 
I valued before, um, I just don't value them the same way. And the things that are like, you know, resonant and real, you know, and I, and, and I, I want to, I've always been a guy who knows a lot of people. I, yeah. I would say that coming up, I was always quote unquote popular. Mm-hmm. I've always been a guy in the industry that knows a lot of people. I think today I want to be, um, I want to impact a lot of people, but I only have time to really get to know a certain amount of people. And I hope that they carry my legacy through, you know, if anything ever happened to me, God willing, you know. Um, and, I, and, I, and I look at my kids. I want my kids to, to carry on, you know, who I am. And I think um, I am like a socialite, but I'm an extrovert, right? So I've learned a lot about that, right? The fact that like, I know a ton of people and I feel so fortunate that I know a wide diversity of people around the planet. Um, and, but I, I, I'm, I really, moving forward, I just wanna get to know people mm-hmm. really intimately. And that's why I built my own social network, really. Mm-hmm. It's because I really wanna get to know like this core, you know, a smaller group of people, n- devoid of whatever their title is. I actually could care less. Right. Um, and so, yeah, I've learned a lot about, you know, the value of money, the value of time, the value of relationships, and honestly, how to give it away yeah. and not and not and be okay with that, and be and 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 and, and a pastor once said, um, "I want to die empty." Mm. For me, I want to die empty. I want to mm-hmm. die like I've I've availed myself of every idea. I've availed myself of every opportunity. You know what I mean? Like I, mm-hmm. to die full would just be you know would be would be horrible. I want sure. I want to leave it all on the court. Yeah. Um, and so I think that's why I, I think it's what I've, I've come into, into my, into my mature years kind of respecting is like, you know, it's it, the things that matter don't really matter. Right. And you know what? Miracles are happening all around us and we're mm-hmm. just probably asleep and not seeing them. So I live in this kind of miracle gazing world where okay. I see everything through the lens of miracles. It's great. That's how we like it. Um, I think what you're doing with authenticated is so interesting and I'm, I'm so excited to be there kind of, you know, yeah, you're watching on the it from ground the floor. row. Um, it's actually the authenticated. The right authenticated. Right. Okay, cool. Because it's now you're, you're part of like, you guys are the authenticated. Okay. Nice. <laughs> um, uh, but talk about that and, and, you know, I think about obviously our, our lives are dominated by social networks, right? Yeah. In the business sense, yeah. you know, Facebook, LinkedIn, Instagram, right? Or, or these, giants that have impact on elections and careers and yeah. relationships and you know so many things right and so much of that is based on their scale yeah and then i think we've been hearing and talking about the rise of these like niche social mm-hmm. networks but we haven't really seen it yet in a meaningful way or right. maybe you have i haven't really seen that play out the way that i think we're we're expecting it to right so uh, so let's talk a little bit about what are you building and why? What, what led you to this? Um, well, in many ways, it's a social experiment. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I um, believe that, yes, while we have lots of platforms and places to kind of create these sort of communities, that people are still lonely. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> people are still... Um, feel like they don't have a mentor or feel like they don't have a homeboy or a hookup or a plug. 
Right. And I just, you know, I've been in, in, in the social media tech world for so long. I just started to be like, okay, if there's all these platforms, why do people feel so, so distant and so alone? Um, I really like Path. Do you remember Path? Mm -hmm. I was on Path, and Path was really cool. Um, shout out to Dave Morin. He, he created this, um, this community. You could only have 150 people, I think, as friends. Right. And I really enjoyed that. Yeah. I really enjoyed, I was in this like, you know, this little small tribe. Um, and I really enjoyed being in this like small nucleus and, and how deep we could go because we felt like, oh, I was in this small path group. Mm -hmm. um, and then, um, you know, some other things happened. I, I, uh, I went to Israel. I started spending a lot of time in Israel. Uh, and I helped a, a big billionaire philanthropist build these trips to Israel. Mm. And um, when we were designing the trips and what would happen post the trip, you know, when you go to Israel, if you, have you been to Israel? No. Okay, so when you go to Israel, the land itself speaks to you and the people speak to you and the, the antiquity and the Tower of David and the mm. Sea of Galilee and like, you know, all these amazing things. And so you have this experience with someone and you come back and you're like, I mean, it's so mega, I can't even put it in words, but you're like, I gotta like stay connected to you because we just right. went through this experience. Sure. So you end up sure. going in a WhatsApp group. Right. And then you start going, I'm gonna go to Shabbat dinner because mm -hmm. I wanna spend more time with this person that just experienced this thing with me. So I started, after the trip, we started doing these like smaller cluster WhatsApp groups. There were 40 people on these trips. Right. And I just started to see the power of community at a tribal level, mm -hmm. um, the power of a tribe. Um, you know, when, you, when you're in Israel and you go to kibbutz and you, you see how people live in tribe, um, even the term tribe is, is special. Yeah. Um, and so um, I just began to reimagine what would that look like and feel like in my own community if I could sort of build this, this tribe. Even in the Christian church, there's a paradigm called the, the purpose-driven life, which mm -hmm. is what Rick Warren created. Right. And there's like purpose-driven church. And there's these things called small groups. So you go to church on Sunday and then you you go into a motorcycle Christian group or fans of the Raiders or like and like there's this idea of like these are my homies I'm mm -hmm. down with this tribe and that's really what hip hop was right you, mm -hmm. like when you were like you know I'm down with hieroglyphics or I'm down with like right. these like gangs you know what I mean yeah. and like I just got to really feeling like we were losing that and so what I really wanted to create was a, a social experiment around tribes that could go super deep in the online space, and that could also convene in the offline space. Mm -hmm. I also found in the offline space there were tons of gatherings. There's summits and gatherings and these and that and that. There's so many of these things, right? Again, so many people being, feeling like, oh, I'm at the place, I'm hearing the great panel, but I feel so alone. Right. I went to TED, I went yeah. to all these things yeah. over the last five years. And I feel like a lot of people don't think about the and then what. Mm -hmm. So like I went to a thing, mm -hmm. And then what am I supposed to do with that feeling? And we kind of solved that a little bit when we went to Israel. Mm -hmm. We're like, okay, the and then what is a Shabbat dinner? The and then what is you go into a WhatsApp group? And so as I started to design this for clients, I started to think about it in my own, my own community. Um, and so I started with the sticky part, which is the harder part. How do you actually keep people connected yeah, online? Sure. The event producing and the experience part, for me, because I've been doing it so long, because I come from entertainment, mm -hmm. I can do that really easy. Right. The harder part is how do I get people to like just love each other on a daily basis mm -hmm. and come back and use whatever platform. I started off on WhatsApp and Slack, as you know, you were part of that. 
Um, and then I've recently moved to my own app. Mm -hmm. um, but all of that is to sort of prove out a model of sticky and then we'll start creating experiences. And by the time we do experiences, it's gonna be like a love fest because right. you've already been in this communication with this person. Then when you go back after the experience, you're gonna go back on the platform, you're gonna be like super into it. Sure. And so, um, so yeah, we're planning a series of, of experiences called Authenticated 36, mm -hmm. A36. We're doing 36 hours in cities because I believe that's about as much attention span as people have. Mm -hmm. um, I believe I can pack in enough of information in 36 hours where you're like, whoa, that's amazing. And it's like a, just a quick little drug hit. Yeah. And it also gives you an opportunity to, to learn about a city you think you know. Like you don't know the Miami that I know. You don't know the Detroit I know. You don't know these cities I know. And I'm going to take you into the Oakland you never knew. And, you know, I'm going to take you into these places that like you think you know. Um, and that shared experience is going to create a bond between people. And honestly, to, to the end, I think I want to build better businesses with, with people. Mm -hmm. I think I want to invest in things with people. And I think I just want to, I want people to convene with each other and see that we can offer value. Um, my business is in my day job, you know, work, I work a lot with venture firms. I work a lot with startups and I find that venture firms, um, you know, don't really think about community and don't really think no, about brand. Right. And so I just decided to take that kind of approach in what I do. I'm thinking about community a lot. Mm -hmm. I think community powers everything. Mm -hmm. I think small niche communities are everything. Mm -hmm. I think, you know, even if you look at, you know, whether it's a Laker community or a Raider community or it could be a matcha, cha-cha matcha community on, Mel on, on right. Abikini. Yeah. Like community drives business. Sure. And communities are the lifeblood of um, so many areas. And so I'm a bit of a social scientist and an entrepreneur kind of in a, in a little bit of, a, of, a, of an experiment. I mean, that's so interesting. And I think the, the part, you know, obviously community is a, is a buzzword or has been, right? And, yeah. And, um, but I think they get it wrong. Yeah. And I think it's back to what you're talking about, which is, you know, I mean, it's, it's back to hip hop, which is, yeah. it misses the, the fandom. Yeah. Right? That, that yeah. if you're, if you're a, a hyro, fan and you see that symbol with the three you know with the third eye right you know on a on someone on the bus right you know across the room or whatever yeah like that's your community that's right and you know or, yeah you know but there's always, a set of values that you know that that those three stand for there's also like as a symbol of like that's my tribe that's my sure. people and yeah. that's what and that's what, what's missing from i hate to be the old guy in the room but there is that part of hip hop that I do. I when I am in the room and the, those questions come up, like you talked about, like do you ever find yourself in the room? You're missing that wink, wink, that just little look. Because we had to, we had to search for the records, we had to search yeah. for the gear, we had to search for the thing. There was so much in the discovery that when you discovered it, it could just be one little thing. Be like, yo, that dude, he got that wooty wooty woo, and like the symbols, I feel like. I'm not saying they're not there. I'm, not, you know, but they're they they're just. It's a different. It's a Virgil Abloh moment where, like, you know, it's a lit. It's gone. It goes fast really quickly, and like you just know, like if you had the too short tape, mm -hmm. you know what I'm saying? Like mm -hmm. you were amongst the elite. For sure. I had the Cookie Puss Beastie oh, Boys yeah. from a kid who went to SI, right? Who like was like, yo, there's these white rappers called Beastie Boys, and yeah. he played me Cookie Puss first. 
people, these people don't even know what we're talking about, Josh, by the way. Cookie Puss was, was the BC Boys. Like, I was like, yeah. what the hell is this? Yo, B. May I help you? Yes, what's your name? Hello? Hello, man, you got Cookie Puss's number? So yeah, I just think like that part of it is, and to your point, like how do we bring that back? How do we bring like small, it starts in small tribes. Yeah, it, I, I think it has to. And I think, um, you know, it's funny, like the exclusivity is so important. Yeah. Right. And right. that's something that we are, yeah. we're losing in society. And I, and yeah. I don't, you know, yeah. I don't want to gripe too much. Like, I, know, it, it I is, know, it just is what it is, right? It is but, what it is. But I think, you know, if we're building businesses or building communities, we have to think about how to preserve some of that. Right? Totally. And so, totally. you know, for, because what we're talking about is when, when we were the only kids maybe in our high school or whatever, yep. uh, you know, that were into hip hop or into Depeche Mode or whatever it is, right? There was like, well, people didn't know it. They didn't have access to that information. No. They didn't have, uh, they didn't know where to find it. You know, yeah. they're, like I have a lifelong beef with Urban Outfitters. Okay. Right? okay. Because, because I'm of the, the era and the mindset where I don't want people to be able to go find the cool shit. Right. At, right. You know what I mean? Right. Like, you know, I, I, yeah. I appreciated those days when the hip hop shop was the place you had. A, it was right down here. Hex had the hip hop shop, you know. Yeah. Uh, off of Genesee or whatever street it was, right, like right off Melrose, right? right? And like, and it, from UCLA, like the kids yeah. didn't know that that store existed. Exactly, didn't know how to get there. Wouldn't have felt comfortable walking in, right? Even if they were, you know, right. interested. Yeah. And I think that created value. Mm -hmm. And uh, and we lose some of that. And with you know, with lots of benefits on the other side. Yeah. Trade offs are not. Yeah. One sided, right? Yeah. But I think it's it's important that we we think about how to build those elements into the experience. Yeah. Well, that's why I'm intentionally small. Like it's yeah. not. I mean, and to be honest with you, this is my mixtape. I'm in my mixtape period. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. Where sure. I'm just building sure. a mixtape. Yep. I'm learning a ton about, you know, everything from people, behavior, um, what people are looking for. Um, how my own voice can come through. I'm becoming a writer, yeah. so I'm trying to use the community to, like, you know, to, like I, the JFK thing. I, mm -hmm. I threw it out this morning, and like I wanted before I put it out to in a blog post. I'm kind of like right. sampling it in yes. my crew. Sports like, what are your thoughts? You know, sure. I have very smart people in there, and I may not even agree with what your response is, right. but I just like to see how what kind of emotive, what kind of emotion does this does this do for you? And yeah. um, yeah, and I think that I, I'm spending more and more time with entrepreneurs, um, companies, brands, businesses that like skip this step. They right. skip the step of discovery. Yeah. They skip the step of like, how do you make this something that people would want to discover? Like I'm getting inbound people wanting to join Authenticate mm -hmm. now and I'm like, so that's a data point. I'm like, right. okay, the word's starting to spread. Right. I haven't done anything yet. Right. And it's, you know, it's like the early days of breaking a record. Like, mm -hmm. okay, keep this, preserve this. You know, I want you guys to always, you know, in my community to like know that like I'm vetting and there's mm -hmm. preservation in that. Mm -hmm. um, I could easily open this up and, go, you know, like, you know, like, yeah. it's just like for me, I want to like preserve something. And, and I just met with an entrepreneur yesterday. She does <clears throat> amazing experiences that are 
you know, like an event experience, right? But she's taken this like Hasidic background that she mm -hmm. grew up in and like revamped kind of a Shabbat kind of thing and does these like beautiful experiences and she's like doing them for other brands and I'm like, you gotta like, because what you do is so right. special. Yeah. Like people can feel it in the room mm -hmm. and it's like, you don't want to give that away to everybody. And, 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 and that's how I feel. Like it's, some things are just meant to be preserved and, and you know, I want to always kind of protect that. And so, yeah, I mean, I, I'm, you know, I study from the best. I'm a, I'm a student like everybody else. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, and, I'm, and that's the other thing is just like being a student. Like I dropped out of my last year of UCLA and I treat life like academia. Mm -hmm. So everything is study for me. Mm -hmm. Everything is like, I'm always reading, always learning, and always, you know, one of my other hallmark heroes in our, in our roadmap um, is Jane Fonda. Mm. And I actually worked with her. Uh, she was my first client oh, wow. when I built my social media agency. Yeah. And I launched janefonda.com after meeting Jane for breakfast within 12 days. And at 72, I was teaching Jane Fonda how to use WordPress, mm -hmm. how to use Twitter, um, 2008 this was. Um, and it was just amazing because I ended up going to her ranch in New Mexico. And I was walking around and she was just like, I'm always a student. I'm always like learning. I'm like, oh, you're 72 and you're like, like I'm teaching you like how to sit in the back with Liza Minnelli and take right. a photo and upload it to, to WordPress. Amazing. You know, and I just, I, I'm, I'm, the OGs teach me so much. And yeah. so I'm always, always learning. What, um, so let's, let's go back. Yeah. Um, you know, cause I, I knew you from Columbia and, uh, and then all of a sudden I saw you popping up on CNN mm. as like the, uh, social media expert. Yeah. Right. Um, and I know you had moved to Atlanta. And so, yeah. Um, but talk about that. Talk about kind of, because that's an example where I think of you as kind of, you know, coming out from behind the scenes. Right. Right. Being right. a guy on TV. Right. Um, which, you know, from the outside seemed like a smart move. Obviously, it was at a time when social media was just starting to be on people's uh, consciousness. Yeah. And there you were as, as the guy that knew something yeah. that everybody else didn't. Yeah. Um, how do you make those decisions and, and, and what's the, what's the downside to, to kind of being out front? Uh, look, I believe that I've been extremely fortunate to, um, have a series of career pivots and mm -hmm. life pivots and making myself comfortable being uncomfortable. Um, and I left the record business in 98 to go into the dot-com world. I went to the dot-com world amidst everybody going, what are you doing? Like, why would you be doing this? Sure. Um, lived through that. Um, you know, we raised a lot of money. We lost a lot of money. Um, and then when I moved to Atlanta, I didn't want to be the music industry guy, you know, and I just wanted to learn more about, like, traditional marketing and advertising. And so I started working at agencies. And I literally scrubbed my resume of all my music shit. Wow. Because no one really understood that we managed P&L and mm -hmm. we bought media. Sure, yeah, yeah, We did all the things. Yeah, it doesn't but, feel like a real business. Yeah, it doesn't feel like a real business to people who don't know. Yeah. They just want to know about Desi's Child and the mm -hmm. Fugees. And I was mm -hmm. like, but I really did real marketing. And I thought that the advertising industry had some, like, mojo on, like, you know, 
clearly they, they've been around for years and they've been able to build these relationships with big brands mm -hmm. and position themselves as marketers. But I always thought I was just as good as anybody in agencies. Like I was like, I'm just as smart as that person. Like mm -hmm. why, you know, why, because they work at an agency are they seen as like a marketer? And I'm like, I'm a marketer. Right. And so I kind of put myself through, through marketing school. Um, and I basically went and worked at agencies. Mm -hmm. And um, one of the benefits of moving to Atlanta was CNN's headquartered there. And I just kind of like, I kind of, you know, had worked at an agency, a digital shop in London and, um, you know, learned a lot about, you know, Coke. I worked in the Coca-Cola building. So I mm -hmm. sat in the Coke building and um, I saw this hit, I saw this social media thing starting to take off and I had become friends with Don Lemon. And I was like hustling him like a, like a PD or an MD at a radio station. Mm -hmm. I was like, dude, you should put me on the air and let me like talk about social media mm -hmm. and I'll teach you Foursquare and Twitter and all these tools. And so I would like grab breakfast and lunch with Don Lemon Wow! and I taught him how to use the tools. Oh, that's cool. And he put me on the air for like four minutes and I yeah. would talk for like a minute of it. He would talk for three. Mm -hmm. um, and I, you know, just got really good at like, you know, like talking in staccato, mm -hmm. doing interviews, um, and just diving in and talking about the context of, of a big global story and where digital transformation was intersecting with that. And um, just so happened that I lived in Atlanta and they would call me often and yeah. just kept doing it. And, That's um, and, and you know, and, and, and I kind of got to a point also, and that's kind of where I am today. I was like, ah, I don't want to be the social media guy. I was like, get right. another sure. pivot. But I was like, oh, people know me by being the social media dude. And I just didn't want to be the social media dude anymore. Um, so it's interesting. Like it's, it's, I'm at an inch, I, I've come to an interesting place in my life of yeah. like, I often like grow tired of the, of mm -hmm. the people see you as one thing. Cause I think I'm, I'm many different things. Mm -hmm. And so that anxiousness drives me to learn something new. So, uh, talk about that. Is it, is it, you know, you mentioned the lean startup, right? And so the lean startup methodology is, is going into it knowing that the pivot's coming. Yeah. You're kind of building to that, right? Um, so how conscious are you? Like, do you wake up one morning and you're like, it's time to pivot? Or is it in your moleskin that that's the plan from the beginning? Or is it like in the rear view, you go, oh, that's what we did last year? Or is it something I haven't? Uh, it, it, is con it is very conscious. It is a wake up in the morning thing. Yeah. Because I have to like go to the class at Reber. You know mm -hmm. what I'm saying? Like I got to go to the UCLA class. And I do consciously go, I'm going to learn as much as I can about this thing. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to put myself on a diet of information and people and meetings that are aligned with that thing. And I'm going to demystify that thing through information and through education and through meetings and mm. through people. And I literally dedicate a percentage of my time to that thing. And just the, just the, the, the investments get bigger. So me learning about venture capital was sitting in Atlanta. I did, I'm not a finance degreed guy. Mm -hmm. In fact, my grandfather was rolling over in his grave, was an accountant. I'm horrible with numbers and horrible yeah. <laughs> in my business coming up with, sure. with money. I'm not right. the person who like, should be the CFO of my company. But what I do understand with investment is it's more than just being 
an accountant. Mm-hmm. Um, it, is, it is what I did at Columbia Records, which is helping the investor, at that time it was Sony Music, make sound investments in the asset, right? Which is what I did at Columbia Records mm-hmm. uh, with my artists, you know? And it's, so it's, it's, I began to like feel more comfortable in my skin about like, oh, I don't have a finance degree, so I can't be a venture capitalist. And more, really more comfortable with like my spidey sense and my hunch and like my ability to read a room. But to get there, no one's gonna take me seriously as a venture capitalist unless you've done some things. And so I'm like, you know, advising funds, I'm advising startups, I spend lots of time with VCs, but I also understand capital structures now. So I'm mm-hmm. spending time with family offices, private equity high net worth individuals, what's right. their inv- what do they invest in? Why would Kevin Garnett invest in this thing? Mm-hmm. Why would Kanye invest in this thing? And I, my particular sweet spot is artisans, celebrities, influencers, and understanding why or why they, why or why not mm-hmm. around what they invest in. Mm-hmm. I mean, you got $250,000, you got half a million dollars. Do you buy a watch or do you put money into ring? Right. Hello Nas, right? right. Like, why did you do that? Who told you that? And how'd you get in that deal? Mm-hmm. Like, what room? Because mm-hmm. I know it's really mm-hmm. hard to get into deals. Sure. So how did you get in the room to get in the deal? So I've been, like, on a probably my most recent pursuit has been around understanding capital structures, understanding venture capital, understanding startups. And, yes, I woke up probably, you know, six years ago, I guess, probably, and said, I really want to, like, you know, because I started getting exposed to more people. I was there when this guy Travis had an idea for a company called Uber. Mm-hmm. I was there, you know, I, I saw these founders in these, in these communities I was in. And I was like, man, like, how does that happen? You know, and, you know, I grew up in Silicon Valley and a lot of my friends from high school, you know, were, had done well for themselves in the dot-com world. Yeah. And I missed that whole boat because I, w- I didn't stay in the Bay. I went in the music business, mm-hmm. you know. And so, um, so yeah, I've just been on this. I also, when someone tells me I can't do something, and then no one outright said that, right. but there was that posture of like, sure. this is venture. This is for us. Right. You go and bring me rappers and ballplayers. Right. That's your role. I'm like, hmm, okay. What do you know and what's the mystery behind it? Right. And that's kind of the pursuit I'm on now. But yeah, I mean, every pivot I've made has come with this sort of academic, like, you know, I'm gonna figure this out. Mm -hmm. And that's kind of what I, that's the way I treat life. I love it. Yeah. If you're enjoying this one, uh, let's go back in the Rebel Radio archives, check out my interview with AJ Burtonshaw. AJ is the founder of Serato, which if you're not a DJ, Serato is the, uh, the software that really revolutionized DJing and made it possible for DJs to move across the world without carrying records. Um, and he's got some great stories about really uh, what, you know, what DJ culture has meant to him and, and what he's meant to it. So you can check that one out as well. Let's talk about labels. Mm-hmm. I know, you know, we, you know, you start out talking about your, uh, your background, you know, your ethnic background and like, mm-hmm. th- there's not a, there's not a label that sort of accurately captures you, mm-hmm. right? As you said, you, you know, you can think of yourself as a black man, mm-hmm. but that's not really the whole story. Right. 
you could think of yourself as multiracial, but even that, that right. doesn't, right? That doesn't right. capture it. Um, and, you know, I think we can apply that to our careers. Yeah. It's hard to find a job title. Yeah. That's meaningful. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. You know, we can apply that to being a hip hop fan, right? That yeah. doesn't presume that you're going to like Depeche Mode. That's right. 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 And so things. So so I you know, I I struggle with that a lot in, mm. in my own life because um, our backgrounds are very similar. But also in, you know, we have this need as humans to put labels on shit. Totally. Right. This is a rock song or a country song yes. or a rap song. It's right. There's no and. That's right. Right. Yeah. Um, it's so good. Yeah, yeah. We need to label people. We need to label businesses. And, so good. you know, all yeah. of this stuff. But you, you know, but you also work with with startups, right? Yeah. And the the elevator pitch, the right, the, the tagline, those things are so important. Yeah. Right. And yeah. And they're they're both kind of bullshit and also really important. Yeah. Right. You want people to invest in your startup. You want people to sign up. Yeah. For your social network. Yeah. Like they need to be able to quickly and easily understand what it is. Totally. So I guess I know I'm rambling a little bit, no. but I guess like how do you reconcile those two things? in your own life yeah gosh you brought some really um interesting points and and, and you picked up and you're a wise man and in, in, in that i have fought against labels you know my whole life i guess it's funny because even in the platform in the the authenticated platform you have to choose a title right. and people are like ah i can't yeah. you know no i wrestled <laughs> with that i'm like Am I, I am I in marketing? Am yeah. I in the music business? Am I in, Yeah, and I'd be it's beautiful because I, I would I have the same problem and I, right. they all apply to me, like yeah. art director to entrepreneur to For sure. you know, and um I think yeah, growing up the way I grew up, like it never felt like, you know, like it's the whole story. So like, you know, I'd be talking to someone who's like white and they're like, I'll give you I went to Israel, people are like this is why we're this way. You know, there's the Yad Vashem, which is the Holocaust Museum. Yeah. And I remember, I won't even say his name, a friend of mine was like, this is why. And I'm like, my grandfather's from that room right there, the Germany room. So mm -hmm. like, homie, we, you know what I mean? Like, mm -hmm. you can lay all that down, player. Like, I'm, you, I'm all of you. Yeah, I, you know. for sure. And I, I feel that way about career, same thing too. Like, like, I am music business, but I am venture. Right. I am all the things. Yeah. And I feel like this next generation is ready for that. You know what I mean? Like, I feel like I'm, I'm more like a 17-year-old girl than I am a 15-year-old guy. I think more like my daughter does, you right. know? And they don't see labels in the same way, this next generation. And in many ways, I like, I'm here for all that. Like, I, I really get along with teens in that way because they don't see it in the same way. Right. And, you know, as a subset, we grew up in the Bay where we listened to all kinds of things and music and so forth. But yeah, like I, I don't really do well with labels. I fought against it. And I have grace for people, for someone sitting across from me who's like, oh, he's talking, he thinks I'm the music guy. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Or mm -hmm. he thinks I'm the this guy. Mm -hmm. And I've learned to, ha to have grace and to learn in the middle of this conversation with this person. You're going to know that I'm much more than what, I know you're right. looking at me right now and you're yeah. like, you think I'm this one thing. And that's okay because that's the way society has is, is sort of trained you. Mm -hmm. But I'm going to teach you in this conversation that you're with me that I am way more layered than who you think I am. Sure. Whether that's ethnically, whether that's, um, you know, occupationally, all those kinds of things. So I, it's, I'm so glad you asked that question because I think that's my core 
is like, I want that for everybody. Because I don't go in a situation just going, oh, you're just Josh Levine. You know what I mean? Like I can make any assumption about who you are. For sure. And I want the same thing of me. It's actually what made, I'm so glad you asked the question. It's actually what made my experience in the South really interesting. Because Mm. my mother was always like, oh, white people with Southern accents, they're all Klan members, right? Right. So I I was like, at first I was like, man, I'm scared of white people with these like twangs. But then I was like, how dare... I have that attitude about them and I don't want that of myself. Right. And the best conversations I had were twangy. The best people I know in the South have a real deep twang and they sound like this from this. You know what I'm saying? Like, and they're good people. And yeah. like, if I just went, oh, you're dumb or mm-hmm. you're from the South sure. or you're slow, I would have never made it. And I, I had such a rich experience in the South. And so, yeah, I mean, it's a constant, uh, it's part of my journey. So it's man in this podcast. I think it is for all of us, right? Yeah. It's, it's impossible. I don't think so though. I think some people are really comfortable and actually uncomfortable with multi-layered label. You know, like I make people uncomfortable. Oh no, no, no. <laughs> yeah, yeah, of course. Some yeah. people are not on that journey. You're not on that journey. I guess what I'm saying though is I think it is um it is a our natural reaction somebody walks through that door you're yes. going to make judgments about them a thousand percent based on their skin myself color included. how they're dressed how their myself body included. shape all that myself right? included yeah absolutely and yeah. and you know for those of us who have chosen or who who are who are trying to move beyond that yeah that's a process that's that a never process. goes away never goes away yeah so yeah i'm fighting all the time yeah i'm going to meet with a guy right now my next meeting and i'm like i had him pegged all the way wrong yeah He's a wonderful guy. Yeah. And and sometimes it's what other people say about those people. Of course. Oh, that's James the... I, yeah. I love hearing what people assume who I am. They're like, oh, I heard about you. Oh, really? Right. Okay, tell me. Who, what, have you, what, have you, what do you know about me? Yeah. You're that guy. Sure. Right. Okay, let's work from there. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, yeah. It's crazy. You ask great questions. Nice. Well, I have a little lightning round before we let okay, you cool. go. Um, we could do this all day, man. This is, I know. This is, this is so good. much fun. Uh, as I knew it would be. So, what's your favorite city to travel to? Ooh, favorite city to travel to, um, just in my history of, of, of cities so far, has been, um, I don't have one, so. That's okay, we can take. Uh, Stockholm, yeah. Tel Aviv, um, Dubai, Abu Dhabi, um, Detroit, mm. you know, it's a new one for me. I love Detroit right now. Um, yeah, those are probably Joburg. Oh, cool. Yeah. That's a great list. Yeah. Detroit, um, l- listen to that Miles Davis biography. He tells yeah. the story of how he moved from New York to Detroit to get off heroin because he knew the drugs there were shitty. <laughs> oh, wow. And that he wouldn't enjoy shooting yeah. it. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. Uh, <laughs> So that was, that's what I think of Miles Detroit. Detroit. Uh, he lived there for a little while. Yeah. Who's your favorite DJ? Jazzy Jeff. Mine too. Um, I know you're a reader like I am. What, what's the last great book that you read? Um, the last great book I read um, is probably one I read every year, Thick Face, Black Heart. I'm reading it now because of your recommendation. I'm about three quarters through it. Yeah. It's fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's, it's a, it's a life changer. I've never heard of it, and it's great. It's a life changer. It's a, it's a kind of annual read for me. Yeah. 
I befriended the author. Oh, cool. When I was at UCLA. Yeah. Um, Chin Ning Chu. And uh, she's now since passed away, but she was, was a, a great mentor of mine. Mm. Yeah, it's a great book. Um, what movie have you seen the most in your life? Uh, probably like Godfather. Probably, yeah, Godfather or great. Five Heartbeats. That's, that's time well spent. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that's funny. Um, if you could wake up tomorrow having gained any one quality or ability, what would it be? Uh, gained a new one or a quality? An, a new one. Uh, I want to know more about how women think. Mm. I want I want to be inside the mind of, of, of a woman. Yeah, that's big. Mm. And back to what we're saying, right, of putting yourself into somebody else's yeah, totally. situation. Totally. Yeah. It would make me the most empathetic human on the planet if mm. I could understand it, like how a woman thinks. I have no idea. <laughs> I don't want to be a woman. I just want to understand. Yeah, I get think. it. <laughs> um, and uh, last, if I worked for you, what's something I would hear you say over and over? Your network is your net worth. Yeah, yeah wise words. Wise words. From Not man, mine. From a man who lives it. Yes. Not mine, but yes, no, you, this is this is why we do what we do, you know. That's dope, man. I really appreciate all the wisdom, all the stories. Um, come back anytime. Part two, let's, man. Let's follow how uh, The Authenticated is going. Yeah. Um, how should everybody find you, find The Authenticated? Mine are easy. I nabbed a, a good one back in the day. I'm at Key Influencer across most social network platforms. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, look for look for Culture Signals, which is an email newsletter that I put out. Um, yeah, definitely. We'll share a link to that. It's great. Yeah. Um, and everybody should subscribe. And yeah. Stay up with the authenticated. And if you're lucky, you'll get in the authenticated. That's right. All right. Yeah, that was James Andrews on Rebel Radio. I hope you enjoyed it. I know I did. Uh, hit us up with a comment. You can hit hit us on Twitter or Facebook at Rebel Radio Net. Uh, you can find videos of many of our episodes on YouTube. And most importantly, come back next week for more Rebel Radio. Peace.